Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented small law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through the Lawyerist Lab and Accelerator. And now, here are the co-authors of The Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast host. Hi, I'm Laura Briggs. And I'm Stephanie Everett. And this is episode 315 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. In today's episode, Laura and I are discussing partner alignment and how to navigate partner conflict within your firm. Today's podcast is brought to you by Spotlight Branding, ESQ Marketing, Cosmolex, Text Expander, and Postali. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support. Stay tuned. We'll tell you a little bit more about them later on. So Stephanie, we're always listening to feedback. We're always doing professional development on our end. We want to make sure that the coaching offering that we have for small firm lawyers is hitting the mark and achieving or exceeding people's expectations. And so we've made some changes recently to Lawyerist Lab, and let's chat a little bit about those. Can you tell us kind of what is the same and what is different? Yeah. I mean, a lot's the same. So I always tell people there's really three parts of the program, right? There's content, which shows up as online content. If you've read our book, then we take all the concepts in the book, also all the concepts in the scorecard, because they're one and the same. And we really give you the tools to how to think about and now implement those things into your practice. And so that's all the same. It hasn't changed. I mean, if anything, it's just gotten better because I spent all last quarter rethinking that and revising it and tweaking it and just trying to make it the best that we can make it. And then we have coaching, which we talk a lot about on the podcast. So we have opportunities for people to unlock as they are working on the content sessions with those individual coaches. So for example, you know, you work with our labsters on marketing. So they work through the material and figure out a strategic marketing plan. And then they get to connect with you to really review it, right? Like we talk about like in terms of homework, like they're actually going to send you their marketing plan. And then you have a chance to really test it with them and, and ask them and make sure they are hitting all the marks with it. That's perfect. I think one of the key differences is there's still access to the team, but it's based on what you need. And so we found that sometimes people would lean into particular things and they really needed those one-on-one calls to unlock certain things or get the personalized feedback that they wanted, but not everybody necessarily needed that, but was still benefiting from some of the course material and other programs. Yeah. And then we have our community. So I think it's really important for you to be around other business owners talking about things that matter to business owners. I mean, we have lots of networks and associations in our life where we can just hang out with lawyers and talk about our cases and case strategy and what, you know, crazy opposing counsel did that drives you crazy. But as a business owner, you need people in your life who could help you think through hiring issues or staffing issues or, you know, oh, yeah, I'm struggling with that same thing, too. Or I didn't realize that that's what this thing cost. I, I don't know. So we have a lot of opportunities in the program for you to connect with other business owners and talk about those issues that relate to you as a business owner. And so that's all stayed the same and, and really is, if anything's just gotten better because of the way we're logistically doing things. What's changed is a couple of things. One, 
we want it to be available to people maybe who are just starting their practice or maybe not just starting, but aren't at the same place that other labsters are, right? So we now offer the $7.99 price point a month, which we had in the past. With that, you get a dedicated coach that you're going to connect with each and every month for that accountability and planning and mindset coaching that's so important. And you'll have that consistent coach that you know you're always connecting with. And then um, you won't have to pay anything else to come to our LabCon conference that the registration would be included. But we opened up a new price point, which is $4.99 a month. And this is great because it gives people all the access to all the lab materials that I just described. They just don't have that additional one-on-one coach and they pay 50% of the registration fee to come to LabCon. That's a great way of breaking it down. I think what it really comes down to for a lot of people is are you the type of person that really values that one-on-one check-in or needs the accountability support? Um, I don't know if anyone's ever taken Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies test, but I am the one of those, I think it's the obliger where if I don't have somebody that's helping me stay accountable to that thing, it's very easy for me to put it off, especially if it's something where it's not something you have to do, but it's something you want to do. So if you're the type of person that knows that that monthly accountability call could really help you get on track or narrow your focus to what you should be working on, I think that's a huge benefit. And so far it's been working really well with the people who have been doing those. So if you are interested in learning more about lab, check out lawyerist.com lab, and we'll also put a link to it in the show notes. So now we've got a brief sponsored conversation with Mark from Spotlight Branding and then my conversation with Stephanie. Hey, y'all. Zach here, the legal tech advisor at Lawyers.com. And today I'm joined by Mark Cerniglia from Spotlight Branding, a law firm marketing company with a focus on branding. So Mark, thanks for joining me today. Hey, excited to be here. So a lot of firms out there will focus their marketing efforts on, you know, ranking well in Google search. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's just one aspect of marketing, right? I mean, it, that assumes that all potential clients out there wake up one day and go, I've got a problem, a lawyer can solve it, and I'm going to find one right now. I mean, that that's a pretty specific client journey. It, it is. And, and the thing that I hope that we're going to be able to do today on the episode is give the listeners a marketing solution that will always work and will work for everyone. And the reason I share that is because it's interesting you bring up search engines and SEO because the reason that, you know, I don't wanna say we're not huge fans, but like the the thing about SEO is that not everyone can succeed. Like it's just, there's literally just not enough, you know, not everyone can rank number one or number two on Google. Right. Um, So, you know, my hope today, we're gonna talk about content is that I can give uh, everyone a piece of marketing that will always work. And so that's that's my value promise for today. Everyone hears the, the saying, content is king, but it, it really is right now more than ever. And the, ironically enough, COVID only furthered that, right? I mean, all the time we're just consuming content, whether we're uh, at the doctor's office or in the car, we're listening to podcasts, right? A lot of people probably in the car right now, you know? Right. Um, um, but just every, like, everywhere we are, we have the ability to consume content in some way, shape or form. And so that's really one of the biggest marketing opportunities that exist right now because consumption of content has never been higher. And so uh, at Spotlight Branding, what we really see when we kind of look at that landscape that content can do for your law firm is it can really help you stay in touch with your network. Mm -hmm. And to the point you made earlier, Zach, it can 
um, help you kind of build your brand, build your expertise, build your credibility, because through content, you can educate, you can share information about your firm, you can share information about what people should do in certain legal situations. So what you're really doing is you're staying in touch with people and you're telling them what you do and you're educating and you're building your credibility. And, um, you know, that's a strategy that can always work. Mm -hmm. It can always succeed if done well, because you're not necessarily, again, you're not trying to compete for space on a Google search, right? I mean, you're competing for people's attention, but when they are looking at your stuff, they're looking at your stuff. As for when they're on a search engine, they're looking at you and the next three search results after you. Like you said, we call it the content loop. So I should probably explain exactly what that is. It's the idea that you use content to keep people in the loop, right. both literally and metaphorically. So, you know, if you can actually picture this, you know, and literally picture a loop and at different points on that circle are touch points of content. Mm-hmm. So somebody receives an email newsletter from you, then they see a blog, then they see a social media post, then they see a video, then they see another social media post. If you have a podcast and a podcast episode comes out and all of this might take place over weeks or a month, it's not, we're not saying this all happens in the same day, but then it all starts over again, right? Then mm-hmm. another newsletter comes out, then another blog comes out, then they see a social media post. So The idea is to use content to create these touch points so that you stay top of mind, so that no referral or lead or business opportunity ever falls through the cracks because your entire network is staying in the loop. You're not necessarily going directly to your potential client, but you're you're keeping people that can get you in touch with them in the loop. Also, yeah, that's that, that's a really good point. You know, I think what's interesting though is honestly, we've found though that even your potential clients and your past clients really don't mind receiving content from you. That feels mm-hmm. different than solicitation, right? So you're right though, because I do think one of the biggest missed opportunities for most law firms is that they're not as getting much from the referral network as they should. And I mean, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, we talk about this a lot in our own marketing. There's a study from uh, Texas Tech School of Business. And I think at this point it was done five or 10 years ago. So the truth is that the, the statistic is probably only worse at this point. <laughs> and that's that something like 80 or so percent of your clients are willing to refer to you and something like 20% actually do. Right. So in other words, most law firms are only getting about one fourth of the referrals that people are willing to give them. And this is from your existing network. Right. So what do you do to make sure that you're capturing every referral opportunity there is in your network? And this is people you already know. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest, most obvious answers in my world, right, is content. Right. Because the reason most people don't refer to you if they're willing to is they just don't think of it at the time that it matters. And because you haven't given them a reason to think of you in months or years, but when they see content from you really passively, Mm -hmm. like an email newsletter shows up in their inbox, they stumble across a social media post from time to time. They see that a new blog or a video comes out, you know, once a month. And the thing is, and this is why this is also okay for your clients and your prospects. The nice thing about content is I don't have to read it. I don't have to watch it. I don't have to open it. Right. So we're really not worried about giving people too much content. There is too much of this stuff in other marketing spaces, but the really cool thing in content is that we haven't ever really seen 
anything become too much, to be honest with you. Mark, thanks for being with us here today. I, I, I appreciate the, the information on the content, you know, as we're putting out content. So if somebody wants to know more about all this, they can go to, what is it? Spotlightbranding.com forward slash lawyerist loop. Is that right? Yeah, that's where they can actually get. We have an infographic explaining how a content loop works so you can implement it for yourself or if you want to contact us about possibly helping us, you do that. But it's spotlightbranding.com slash lawyerist loop. Thanks for being with us today. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. Welcome, Stephanie. It's time for us to do another episode together. And I'm really excited about this topic because we've been seeing it come up a lot in our communities, but it's also just really important across the legal industry as a whole as you're thinking about what moves are right for you. So today we're going to be chatting about alignment with your partners, both when you're already in a business relationship with a law partner and if you're thinking about making that shift. So it sounds like there's a lot of different things that we could talk about here. Let's start with some of the challenges. Why does it really matter if you're not aligned with your law partner? Yeah. I mean, I think, as you said, we see this a lot and we've seen it recently where people are in business together. They're partners because they own the business together. And, you know, we recently talked on a podcast episode about how important I thought it was to have vision and clarity around your business and what it is you're building and what path you want to take to build it. So now we're in a situation where the first partner has a real clear vision. They're, they have that clarity I talked about, and they're like, I want to go this way and build this thing. And then the other partner sitting over here saying, huh, that's interesting. Not at all what I have any interest in doing. I want to <laughs> go another way. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think I have to tell everybody that that's ultimately not going to work. At some point, that's going to create a ton of friction in your business. It's going to stall you out. And, um, I mean, yeah, you know, I use this analogy a lot when we talk about these things, but a business partner, it, it is like a marriage. It's your, you know, business marriage and you need to, and it's just as serious. And you see, you've seen, we can easily see this with couples where one couple wants to, you know, retire at the beach and the other one wants to retire at the lake or something. I, I don't know. It just doesn't work. Ultimately that, that friction builds up over time and causes problems. And the same thing happens in our business. And it feels like sometimes you can overlook that this is the reason that you're stuck, especially if you may be the person in the business who sees yourself as the visionary. You know, we've talked before about this important EOS concept of visionary versus integrator. And if you have all of these ideas and you're just like, man, it never seems like I'm able to execute on these ideas. I'm taking in all the, of this great advice. I'm pushing myself professionally. I think this would really work in this firm. That can be the stopping block if the partner or partners are not on board with it, where you end up not only being unable to execute on those things, but feeling really frustrated because that's something that you would like to do. And it's you're connected to the vision, but everyone else is not. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't show up so clearly right? Like we don't even realize that this is what's happening. And so we just know there's an underlying frustration there. But a lot of times it's really hard to really have that clarity around what's causing the business problems. And so if you're feeling frustration with a business partner right now, you know, it, it's a good time to step back and maybe explore that a little bit and 
dig at it and kind of figure out, well, why is it that we're not aligned? Or is that even the thing that we're just simply not aligned? We're going in different directions. Yeah. Cause there's different ways that I think this can show up. I'm reminded of one of the attorneys that we worked with where they really felt certain that marketing was the thing, that that's where the money needed to be spent. That's where the strategy needed to be. But that partner did not have the time or availability to be doing the marketing while they were also doing all of the legal work. And so that was kind of like pushed off on the other partner. Well, the other partner didn't want to do the marketing. And so there was this fundamental disagreement over one, how important it was, but two, who's going to do it? If we can even agree that it's important, nobody on our current team wants to do this. And they kind of got stuck and spun their wheels for a little while trying to figure out how are we going to move forward from there? Where are some other scenarios where you can kind of see it coming up? I mean, I think one is probably around the old school, new school lawyer for sure. Yeah, I've loved that one. So I'll often get people on the phone with me when they're thinking about joining lab and I'll, you know, I want to hear what it is they want to build. Like what's that vision look like so that I can get a sense of how we would work together. And I'll often hear you know, I have a partner, they're older, they're closer to retirement. I'm, you know, I'm younger, I'm going to be taking over this practice one day. And I'll be like, well, cool. Like, is that partner on board with you doing lab? And they're like, oh yeah, they don't care. Like they have no interest in changing what they do. Their legal assistant is still going to print all their emails every day and bring them into their office and and read them to them. <laughs> I mean, I exaggerate, but that does happen. Um, <laughs> you know, um, And, you know, and I'm going to be automating everything and having this cool tech set up. And obviously that is the first red flag because you're just like, yeah, that sounds great. And so they're trying to convince me that, yeah, I should do lab because I'm going to use all these things to start building out the firm the way I want it to be. And this other person's just going to hang over there and do their own thing. But it, it feels like that seems like an acceptable solution but it really isn't. I mean, you're just going to probably stay stuck and the frustration will continue to mount. And at some point, and I never know exactly when, but at some point you'll hit some, something that you're like, okay, that's why this isn't working. And we really can't have a business together. Someone has to leave. Right. This concept of, okay, I've got this other partner in the business that's on their way out. They really don't care. I think sometimes you have to be really careful about applying those kinds of statements to other people because maybe there are some things that they really don't care about. You know, they can see the light at the end of the tunnel. They're retiring in six months or a year, but then there may be fundamental things that when they say they don't care, they mean they don't care when you're in charge and they're no longer there. So as long as they're involved in the practice, it's going to be really hard to implement some of those changes because in reality, they're not open to it. So I think it's it's easy to feel like that. Oh, this person's on their way out, but that could impede you having some progress in the short term too. Yeah. You're reminding me that we have an, another person that we work with who, you know, was in the situation where he was buying the practice from the person who was retiring, but the deal required that, that the retiring partner stay for a number of years and help with that transition. And he didn't realize it. The lawyer who was the younger lawyer buying the practice But ultimately, the retiring partner was sabotaging his efforts to move the firm forward. And maybe it didn't feel as overt as that might sound. But as you know, when you don't have that alignment, so here he is telling the firm, hey, guys, here's the vision for the firm and here's where we're going to go. And if the retiring partner's not just like not on board, but kind of, you know, making fun of it in the coffee room, like, oh, yeah, that that's cute. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, that's not an ideal situation. You're never going to get the buy-in that you need from the whole team. Yeah. And there's probably a whole other layer of complexity when it's a family law firm and this is a parent or an uncle or something that is leaving the practice and you're taking it over because then you have to be really mindful of those family dynamics as well. But the partner alignment is important whether they're leaving or whether they're staying. It's something you should definitely check for. It sounds like the underlying message behind a lot of this is to really make sure you and any other people that are involved at the partner level are on the same page or have the possibility to get to the same page because this being a family member or this being a colleague that you really like or this being someone who does a practice area that you've always wanted to fold in but don't want to practice yourself, those alone maybe aren't the right reasons to go into a business partnership with that specific person. There's more to it than that is what it sounds like. Yeah. And, you know, you just reminded me that I mean, we've been using the word partner throughout this entire episode so far. But the reality is what we're really talking about is a leadership team. And so this dynamic can come up with other members of your team who have important roles as you're determining your strategy and then executing on it. So I'll just mention that another place I, I see this dynamic play out is a lot of smaller firms might have a operations director slash marketing director slash <laughs> office manager <laughs> slash they do five other jobs for you. I don't know. Um, but, you know, that person is a critical person on your team. And so it also could show up if you're the partner and you just want to do your legal work the way you've always done it. You know, you could be the old school person and it could be that you have this director level person and, you know, an operations person who's trying to push you to adopt new technology and adopt all the new things. And you're kind of like, yeah, just do whatever you, you know, that's not going to work either. And so what the message here is everyone on the leadership team driving the strategy of the business should be aligned and should be excited about what we're trying to create and then make sure everyone on the team is doing their part to try to create it. I love that. And I think now in light of the pandemic, I mean, a lot of people have been thinking about what changes they need to make in their law firm overall. Some of those driven by things like, do we need a physical office? If we have it, to what extent do we use it? Who works in it? But I also think a lot of people are having that conversation around, hey, it's hard. It's lonely out here. Being a solo lawyer can be really difficult. Two heads are better than one, right? So let's join up and let's share overhead. Um, but you still probably need to ask some of those important questions. What does that due diligence process look like? Yeah, I love talking about this because then we get to try to avoid the problems <laughs> yeah. on the front end. So we'll go with my analogy because it works, right? Joining a business with someone is like a business marriage. And you probably didn't ask your spouse to marry you after your first date. I mean, maybe you did. And that's cute and fun. My my grandparents got engaged or got married after two weeks of dating, which always is crazy to me. But I think the times were just <laughs> yeah. different then. I don't know. Right? Like two weeks. Okay. <laughs> but most people now, we take some time. Yeah. We get to know each other. We court. Yeah. We date. Well, you need to date this person, this potential business partner, because I can tell you that um, I've had a warm-up husband. I've been through a divorce. I've also, you know, left a law firm and had to, you know, unengage myself from that business. And I feel like the business breakup, if we call it that, was so much harder than my, <laughs> than my real divorce. I don't know. I mean, we didn't have kids, so maybe we had that going for us. 
but if it was financially more complicated, it was emotionally like really complicated. Like, I, you know, it was, it was hard. It's hard to untangle those relationships. And so it's not something that you want to enter into lightly. It may feel like, oh, cool. Let's just share overhead. And, you know, I don't think that's a good reason to go into business with someone. I think you, I think you should want to go into business with someone because you have a vision that's aligned, right? You have clarity around, Hey, we could build this thing together. And this was something you and I were talking about recently. You have strengths that complement one another, right? And so you and I were talking about this because of your awesome strengths finder podcast episode, but how important it is. Like if you are going into business with someone Maybe you don't want someone who has the exact same strengths as you, but where you could really complement one another. So, you know, I think of like Aaron Street on our team. He is an awesome visionary and has tons of big ideas and is always kind of coming up with these new things that I'm always like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. That's just not where my brain tends to sit and live. Like I like executing. I'm an achiever. I like to get things done. So I'm like, okay, tell me what it is you want done. And then I'm (laughs) going to go do it. Yeah. I don't sit around dreaming a lot. Maybe I should dream more. I don't know. But we're good business partners Yeah, because we both have different skill sets that we get to use and show up with every day that benefit the business. Yeah. I think it's so easy to get into thinking like how cool it is that someone else shares these traits with you. Um, but ever since doing that podcast episode with Becca, like I love asking people, like I, I even looked at like the team members that work at Lawyerist that I work with regularly, like what is your strengths finder? Let me look at it. Let me better understand how to work with you. And I found that sometimes those opposite things are really helpful because it's the places that you're missing, but it's also that fresh perspective. You're not coming up against someone who has the same strengths or the same weaknesses as you do, which can lead to you spinning your wheels a lot. So are there certain things that are the the no-brainers? We have to be aligned on these things for this relationship to work with a partner or another key member of your leadership team. Yeah, I think we start with values, right? Like, so we want our strengths to complement one another and not necessarily be the same, but we have to be aligned and share the same corporate values. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, you'll be able to hear how this actually shows up in a lot of working relationships. Support for today's episode comes from ESQ Marketing, an agency that believes in affordable and reliable marketing for solo practitioners and small law firms. With ESQ Marketing, you'll work with experts in legal marketing. All of their intense focus is on helping attorneys generate more clients and cases from the internet. They don't work with anyone else. You'll breathe easy with low-risk, month-to-month contracts, and there are no long-term commitments. ESQ Marketing earns the right to work for your firm each and every month. Best of all, you'll get direct access to the person working on your account. No account managers to deal with and no lost-in-translation with your requests. To see if you're a fit, visit esq.marketing forward slash lawyerist to get started. Today's challenging and fluctuating business climate requires law firms to be flexible in the way they run their practice. Whether you're working remotely, in the office, or a combination of the two, you need to be able to work effectively and efficiently on the go at any time. That's why Cosmolex offers a cloud-based total law practice management system with built-in compliance for trust and general legal accounting. With Cosmolex, you get everything you need to run your practice in one solution with 24-7 mobile access that's both secure and easy to use. 
You'll be able to stay on top of all your billable activities no matter where you are, and your clients will love the direct and secure communication in the client portal. The Cosmolex migration team will ensure all your data is moved into your new system safely and securely so your firm can be up and running in no time. To learn more about Cosmolex Total Law Practice Management System, visit cosmolex.com forward slash lawyerist. Support for today's episode comes from Text Expander. Get ahead of your productivity for the new year with easy to use cross-platform snippets. Text Expander makes quick work of mundane repetitive tasks so you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to needless text entry, spelling and grammar errors, and inconsistency in your messaging. When you use Text Expander, you can say the same thing, the right thing, in just a few keystrokes. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. These versatile snippets are better than copy and paste, and they're better than scripts and templates. They work across devices and platforms to allow you to maximize your efficiency while still customizing and personalizing your messages. So take your time back in the new year and increase your productivity with Text Expander. Show listeners get 20% off their first year. Just visit textexpander.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Support for today's episode comes from Postali, a full-service legal marketing agency for law firms. The attorney-client relationship is the cornerstone of the legal profession. Just like you put the client's needs first, you deserve a marketing agency that does the same to grow your practice. Postali works with law firms nationwide and is the only full-service legal marketing agency that can call itself a marketing fiduciary. That's because, at Postali, the impressive results they achieve come from always putting your law firm's financial interests above their own. Imagine a relationship with a legal marketing agency that treats your investment as they would their own dollars, without hollow SEO promises, no commission-based upselling, and who won't work with your competitors. Postali is the marketing agency for legal professionals looking for 100% transparency and genuine guidance from a real marketing partner. To learn more about the benefits of working with a marketing fiduciary, visit postali.com forward slash lawyerist. Contact them for a free consult and mention this podcast. So I think in a law firm, there are certain things that it's going to be really hard to get along with a partner on if you are fundamentally opposed to the other person's point of view. I know we have some attorneys in lab who are set on their pricing and client service structure. It works for them. They know it. It's easy for them to market. It converts. And so let's say that you've ditched the billable hour and like you believe that that's fundamentally important to the future of law firms and practice in general. It makes things easier for clients. You can't see any way of going back. I mean, that might seem like a minor thing, but can you imagine the accounting difficulty of someone who comes in and really struggles to grasp that or fundamentally doesn't believe in it or is just like, you know what? I've always billed hourly, so I'm going to continue to bill hourly. That's really confusing for any potential clients. And even if you do manage to convert them over to your way of thinking about things, it might not come naturally to them and create this like quiet friction where this person doesn't believe in it. And if that's a core part of how you're marketing your firm and how you serve your clients, it can be one of those things where 
you're holding on to resentment, like, oh, this person made me change. I never wanted to, it's just too difficult for me to convert things. Or I find myself tracking my hours anyways, because I want to make sure that we've priced everything perfectly. It feels like those kinds of things can implode, but I definitely think there's the bigger picture issues of, do you have the same vision for what the firm accomplishes? What is the mission that we're all working towards? Because I feel like if you can't get buy-in on that, there there's not much of a point in discussing the other stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, you need to be aligned on the way you want your business to operate. So I see this too. We kind of talk about like if someone comes in as like, I want a systems driven business where we do, you know, automate things or things that are repetitious tasks. We find ways to make those more efficient and we try to delegate as much as we can off the attorney's plate so they can be focused on these key things. I've seen this recently where then uh, somebody came to the firm and they just weren't used to that way of thinking and and really struggled with that idea, right? Like, why, why would we want to systematize this? No, my cases are too special. They're too unique. Yeah. No, every one of my cases is really different. There's no, there's no uniformity I could apply to this. Like, they just keep butting heads, right? And this is where we, that friction that we talk about or have um, a systems-driven firm and one of the employees is just can't operate in the systems. Like, th- this firm has a system for everything. Like, if you want to do this You open it up and it says, okay, here's the seven steps you take to do that. And then they had an employee who just would ignore them and not do it. (laughs) And it's like, well, for the long term, that's just not going to work. Because if the business wants to be a systems-driven business, then everyone who works there has to be aligned with that fundamental idea. And so these are the kind of things that we need to explore. And here's, here's the thing that we forget about especially when we feel like we know the person that we're talking to, like, um, which happens all the time, law school classmates or colleagues or friends, or maybe you currently work at the same firm together and you think, well, we know each other. Like, I know that person. And I'm like, do you though? I'm like, have you actually explored this and tested it? Like, so what I recommend, and when I teach this, we have a whole bunch of hypotheticals, like go back to law school. You guys, we love our hypos. (laughs) Go out to dinner have an adult beverage. I assume this is in a in a non-pandemic time, in a pandemic time, <laughs> figure out. Maybe you can sit outside <laughs> six feet apart and wear masks. And start thinking of things that could come up. Like, hey, how would we handle this? How would we handle this client issue? Hey, I, this thing happened to me last year. What would you have done? What approach would you have taken? Not just in the way we want to practice law, like how we, you know, but what do we want our client experience to be? I have a partner, a former partner, who wanted to be known as the most aggressive lawyer in town, which was his thing. If you wanted a bulldog, you absolutely would call this person. I have a lawyer I work with now who wants to introduce meditation practices to her family law clients. Yeah. Like those two people might not (laughs) be a good fit to work together, right? Like they would just approach their work and their client experience fundamentally different. And by the way, money. Like money is going to be the thing that probably comes up all the time. So you need to start talking about it with this person now. Like what if a client owes you money? What are you going to do? How would you approach that? Uh, How aggressive are you going to be? What if, um, how do you, how, how do you think about compensation for your staff? Like, do you like to give bonuses or, you know, you try to pinch pennies and not pay them as much as possible. And and here's the trap you're going to put yourself into. Well, I don't need to ask that. They're my friend. Yeah. I know they think the same way I do, but you don't know unless you've had these conversations and you got to start 
figuring out if you have enough alignment that you can be in business together. Those hypotheticals are so important, especially because you might get surprised by how they answer it. And that can be really valuable information that saves you a lot of pain and money and time invested in a relationship that maybe wasn't cut out to work well from the start. Any kind of parting tips or things you definitely want people to walk away from this episode with? The little things, right? The, these are going to sound so silly, but these are what I call the resentment builders. So do things like FaceTime in the office, again, when we're back in the office, you know, does that matter? Are you going to be upset if your business partner is got a standing 10 a.m. tea time on every, you know, Tuesday? Vacation, like what's the vacation policy going to be? Again, because you're both business owners, you may be like, well, whatever, we'll just take whatever time off we need. If your business partner wants to take two months every summer to go to the French Riviera, are you cool with that? You know, these, it sounds so small and petty, but that I see so much resentment build up when people just aren't, I mean, I'll give you another silly example. You know, I know a firm that had a marketing budget for each lawyer to be able to go in wine and dine clients. And so let's just say it was, you know, $600. Well, this one partner was very like, I don't know, what's the right word? Like just maybe smart with their money. And so they would try to go out to as many dinners and potential clients and, and, you know, prospects as they could and make that money really stretch. And the other partner just took out one, you know, friend who was also a client and, you know, they bought $400 bottle of wine. And I mean, they had an amazing meal. And again, it sounds so silly, but that was a real point with that, that created resentment and frustration because it was like, well, we have this marketing money because we're trying to really stretch our dollar and make it go further. And the other guy's like, but this was an important client. And I think I, I showed them a great time and really they're going to have a memorable meal because we got this $400 bottle of wine. Yeah. So it's the silly examples, but that's, you know, just like in marriage, it's the toothpaste, right? That causes couples, I guess, to fight. I don't know. My husband and I just have our own tubes, so I don't even know what that looks like. But you know what I'm saying? Like it's the little things that you have to, that you don't think about that can start to really get at you. And so I guess maybe the other piece of takeaway here is you've got to be willing to have really open, honest, and good conversations and communications with your business partner. And you need to be able to talk about the big things like, hey, what do you want retirement to look like? How much money are you going to need? You know, what do we need to do as a business to make sure you reach those big life goals? But also like the little things, like how are we going to enjoy our lives on our way there? I love it. So many actionable tips. So think about the big things and the little things. The Lawyerist Podcast is produced by Bailey Tiller and edited by Christopher Eng. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com slash community slash lab to schedule a 15-minute call with our community manager. The views expressed by their participants are their own and not endorsed by the Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. Thank you.